The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Basketball Society. What's going on, everybody? Alex Fishbein back with you guys again for The Atlantic Files, a Basketball Society podcast brought to you by the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. And this week on episode 154, we are getting into the official start of the NBA. At the time I'm recording this, uh, one game has already been completed. That's the Utah versus Pelicans game. Utah took the game in that one with Zion sitting down the stretch. As of right now, uh, the Lakers and the Clippers are playing, and the Clippers, I think, are up by two. Uh, sorry, up by one, 77-76. So a lot of... Um, good matchups for the first day we got to see zion just a little bit had 15 minutes in the game that he played um and then of course this great matchup we have between Kawhi, paul george anthony davis lebron james i mean that's the one that everyone's always waiting for especially come playoff time but obviously we are here to talk about the atlantic division Now, last week, I gave you guys a little bit of a preview and stuff I'm looking for during their time in the bubble. So this episode is going to be a little shorter. We're just going to talk briefly a little uh, preview of each one of the Atlantic team's first game uh, in the bubble. Um, Because obviously none of them have played yet. And we're just going to look at, you know, what... uh, what they might produce in the bubble and how I feel like it's going to all shake out. So without further ado, let's go with the team that plays first from the Atlantic. They play uh, tomorrow, but by the time you're hearing this, it's probably today, Friday. Um, That is the Brooklyn Nets. They play against the Orlando Magic. Now, this is probably one of those games that most people aren't going to care about. (laughs) I mean, both teams don't really have a shot at winning the championship this year. Um, They uh, honestly, uh, I mean, I know why they got invited to the bubble, because obviously you have to decide that 7th and 8th seed in the East. But, I don't know, I mean... In the end, I don't think it's really going to matter all that much. Obviously, we don't know exactly how everyone's going to play in the bubble, but I feel like by the time playoffs come around, you're most likely going to see the teams that should be at the top still at the top, and then these teams at the bottom just on their way home earlier. Which, I mean, to some guys might be perfectly fine if I'm... If I'm being serious, they might be, you know, tired of the bubble life at that point. So they might be like, all right, I got to go home. All right, that's cool. I'll wait till the next uh, whatever happens next. Um, But so this game, um, I I don't think it's going to be all that uh, offensive. 
Um, Orlando it has a has a decent defense. I mean, they they have a very long team, and they have they got Jonathan Isaac back, who looked decent in the scrimmages. Um, as far as Brooklyn goes, you know they don't have any of their top players except for Karis Levert, and they I don't think they even have Michael Beasley back. Uh, so it's really just Levert and uh, Jamal Crawford who hasn't really played all that much either and Jared Allen so I mean like that's really all they have they don't we talked about it last week they don't have Kyrie obviously don't have Durant either he's still hurt they don't have uh, DeAndre Jordan Um, they don't have Spencer Dinwiddie a lot of these guys opted out so you know you're kind of stuck with uh, a bare-bones squad plus Karis LeVert (laughs) um I honestly think the Magic are going to win this game. They still have their their bigger players. So uh, I, I think that, you know, in the end, I think the Magic are going to win this first game. I don't think Brooklyn's going to take this one. and I, I But I do foresee Levert stepping up in a big, big way. Like, I honestly, I could see Levert dropping anywhere from 30 to 40 points. Um, because... I, I mean, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Karis LeVert's game. I, I love watching him play. He really gets to his spots. He attacks well, and he's very uh, logical and and um, calculated uh, to, you know, wherever he wants to attack. So um, I'm really looking forward to just seeing Karis LeVert hoop in general. So I think he's going to really put together a very, very good game. But in the end, I think since Orlando has their main players still there, and, you know, they've been playing together a little more often and longer than Brooklyn. I think that Orlando ends up taking this. Um, obviously, just the first game, there's still plenty. I mean, there's still, like, uh, what, seven games left? I think there's eight seeding games. So, still got seven games left to go after that. So, I think, you know, they, there's still plenty of time for them to, to get the wins that that they need. So, um That'll be interesting to watch. So the team after that in the Atlantic that plays, I think is going to be the game to watch tomorrow. Uh, Celtics versus the Bucks at 630. Um, And again, when I say tomorrow, I mean Friday, because obviously while I'm recording this, it's Thursday. So for everyone who's listening, probably today. (laughs) Um, Boston versus Milwaukee is going to be a very interesting game. We saw Boston-Milwaukee playoff series a few years ago, but both teams were in a very different stage of development and a very different stage of where they, uh, compared to where they are now as well. So um, I think this is going to be a really good game. I honestly have the Bucks taking this one because, honestly, the Bucks looked pretty pretty damn good in the scrimmages and especially Giannis I mean Giannis the I mean reigning MVP uh, guy guy just looks unstoppable I mean the play where he where like his whole body was out of bounds and under the rim but his arm was still long enough to reach around and dunk it um, I just watched that clip and I was legitimately like, I'm sorry, but humans should not be able to do that. <laughs> like that just should not be a thing that is physically, uh, 
I can't even think of the word. That, that just should not be even a thing that, you know, is a human should be physically capable of doing. That's just flat out insane. So I do think Milwaukee's going to take this. And honestly, I think I don't think it's going to be like a big blowout, but I think it's going to be a double digit win. Um, and that's no disrespect to Boston at all. I think Tatum is going to get his. I think Tatum's going to do well. Um, the, I just think the people around him for this first game are going to still be getting their legs. Um, especially when, you know, you have to go against the Bucks, who are the leading team in the East. Um, they have great uh, uh, coaching to go against Brad Stevens as well. And, again, you have the reigning MVP. And even Chris Middleton is a big, big uh, piece of that Milwaukee puzzle that when you're when you're going up against that team, you can never forget where Chris Middleton is on the floor. You cannot lose track of him at any time because he will make you pay. I mean, this guy is a flat-out shooter, flat-out scorer, and, I mean, it he he's probably one of the best second options in the NBA and that's with that's up there with a lot of guys who are also superstars Middleton is definitely one of the best second options you can get in this league so that you know you can never discount that you still have Bledsoe I mean you still have the Lopez brothers locking it down in the paint there there's still a lot to this team that can't be discounted and I do really like Boston. Um, the one thing we talked about last week was Kemba's knee because it, his knee was looking a little shaky. Uh, Brad Stevens did come out and say that this is the strongest his knee has been since September, but also said he's going to be on a minutes restriction for Friday. So that kind of confused me there. I mean, okay, so if it's the strongest it's been since he's arrived to the team, that to me sounds like he's going to play full force and you're going to give it, you know, you're going to let him just go give it his all. But then you're saying there's a minute restriction. So is his knee strong or is it not? Like, because if you're saying his knee is as strong as it's been, but you're still not testing it, that means to me that there's a lot of doubt about how strong it actually is. So I think that is a little interesting in and of itself. Um, overall, I say the Bucks win. I say they win by 11 uh, for their first game. So after Bucks-Celtics, we have on Saturday, August 1st. Already hitting August, man. This is crazy. I mean, I feel like June and July have gone, gone by like uh, in the blink of an eye. But when it's the cold weather and everything, we've been sitting here, you know, feeling like it's an entire year to go just for a month. But. I digress. The next Atlantic game is the next day, Saturday, August 1st, and it is 7 o'clock, the Sixers versus the Pacers. Now, this one is not nationally televised, um, but I think this is still going to be a good game in and of itself. Pacers, a really solid team. Um, uh, We're still seeing uh, what kind of impact Oladipo is making at the moment, but even outside of him, I mean, they have been able to get themselves into a playoff spot. They have gotten themselves to a 39-26 and record, the exact same record the Sixers have. Um, They, you know, 
they have still been able to put together a decent season even without their best player. So the, the one thing I think that the Sixers do have a lot of issues with are teams that play as a unit. Um, and that is what the Pacers have to do uh, to, to win their games, especially because they don't have that superstar player. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting game. And I think the Sixers end up taking this first game because when we have watched their scrimmages, the starters have produced some great, great offense, some even better defense. And most of it was even without Embiid at, the, at that point in time. So you throw in Embiid, you give the starters extended minutes, uh, you bring in the bench just here and there, and I think you have a formula for a, a great um, a great win on your first game for the Sixers. Um, I still think it's close, though, because they do give up leads a lot. I mean, that's just how the Sixers are. They've been giving up leads ever since the beginning of last season. Um, so I, I think that the game is still going to be close. However, in the end... I think that the Sixers are going to take the win over Indiana by two. Yes, by two. So it's going to be a really, really close one. And then to wrap up the first games of all the Atlantic teams, we have the Toronto Raptors versus the Los Angeles Lakers at, I believe it is 8.30. Yes, 8.30 on ESPN. Um, this one's going to be tough for the Raptors. However... With the Lakers, I feel like so. I feel like a lot of this game does depend on how they do tonight um, against the Clippers, at, because, like I said, at the point in time when I looked at the score, they were down by one. Uh, I, I think that you know if they do lose, they'll come out with a bigger focus for that next game. However, I think that the team is not exactly in that. They haven't exactly flipped the switch yet because. With LeBron and, and everyone at the helm, LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think that, you know, they're still just trying to feel out where the team is. They, you know, they made those additions of Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith and trying to see, like, where the good bench rotation is with those guys uh, thrown in there. And I think that they're using these seeding games to just figure out, you know, what, what works best for them. And then that switch is going to flip the moment it comes, like, probably the last two seeding games and then into the playoffs. So... I honestly see Toronto winning this game, and I think it's going to be close again because I just don't see the Lakers getting blown out unless LeBron doesn't play. But I, I think it's going to be really close. But I, I just see the Raptors coming out, you know, full hustle, full force, going at it every single play, scrapping everything, um, just really being pests. And uh, just eventually that winning out against the Lakers. So I think the Raptors actually take that game by like four or five. And to be honest with you, I think Siakam drops like 30. Um, obviously, for those of you who have listened to the pod, I'm a big Siakam guy. I have been ever since he joined the league. And I just think that, you know... Yes, the Lakers have a good defense, and they're going to have guys that they can put on Siakam. I just think that he's going to, unless LeBron is playing him and giving 100% effort on defense the entire game, I think Siakam's putting up 30 points. 
And honestly, even if LeBron was playing 100% on defense every time on Siakam that whole time, I think he's still going to put up like 26, 27, 28. So I, I'm, I'm just expecting a really big game out of Siakam that first game and them really just kind of making a statement showing like, look, we're, we're not just some, some walkover team now that Kawhi is not here. So that that covers the first game. Oh, uh, the one thing that I wanted to say about the Raptors as well is there was some talk. Uh, I believe it was on The Athletic. Let me see here. Uh, yeah, so Blake Murphy of The Athletic thinks that if Fred Van Vliet wants to take his game to another level, he needs to be a better finisher at the rim. And I completely agree. I mean, Fred Van Vliet, we've said this many times, Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry are very similar in play style. I mean, they are both the the undersized guy, the undersized guard, and they, you know, a lot of undersized guards have to play the same way to get, you know, through the trees and through the forest of these giant NBA players. So their game is very very similar they're the way they lead the offense you know their quickness they're very hard-nosed defense and everything but it's true what Blake Murphy said that Fred Van Vliet definitely needs to convert better at the rim because Kyle Lowry is one that does he gets to the line but he also converts at the rim I mean, I would say, without looking at the stats, very well for uh, definitely for a guy his size. So I think that um, Fred Van Vliet, which I believe Blake Murphy also said, if I check here real quick. um, So as of right now, Van Vliet ranks towards the bottom third in restricted area field goal percentage at 51.2. I mean, obviously making a little over half of them isn't terrible, but... um, there's definitely room for improvement. So I think that if he shores up that part of his game, he could be in for a pretty big payday, especially uh, if you're Toronto. Like, you know, you know Lowry's probably leaving after this one-year deal, and if not, you're going to have to pay him a, a bit of money. Um, and, and Van Vliet should be your future point guard. Uh, so, you know, that is just uh, – if – Unless you want to try and risk signing some other point guard in free agency, or or you really think you're gonna hit on uh, a big time all star point guard in the draft, like which both things are very big ifs. Uh, you definitely want to go all in and get get Van Vliet back. I mean. Uh, that's a guy that is going to be big time for this team moving forward, especially with Siakam, uh, you know, starting together and and growing together over time. I think that's only going to help you. So I think that is big in and of itself. So, uh, yeah, like I said, guys, this was going to be a shorter episode because we're just going to hit on these first games uh, and, and see where everything is at because... I mean, since the last one, it's just been scrimmages, and we can get a little bit from scrimmages, but we're going to get a lot more from the official games once they happen. So really looking forward to seeing all of the Atlantic teams play. Really looking forward to see, uh, you know, how these guys react to the atmosphere, react to the no fans, um, and really, you know, what happens with all the team chemistry because there's been a lot of questions, especially at the Sixers, um, 
especially, you know, with, uh, with the Celtics seeing how those young guys grow together as well, and then obviously with the Raptors without Kawhi, uh, and then also the young guys from Brooklyn since they had to fill in with some of their younger guys, some of their two-way players and everything. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see you know the growth and how these the the, the team chemistry plays out and and what really happens. So just you know excited, super excited that the NBA is back and we're going to see what all that entails with all this bubble talk and all this stuff we got going on. So um, at least, you know, thank God we got something to watch uh, other than, you know, reruns of all sorts of different games and and uh, clips of random people doing stuff in their backyard or inside their house. So this is going to be fun, guys. Uh, enjoy watching the games coming up. I will talk to you guys next week. Make sure you check out basketballsocietyonline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.